Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm William. This is the podcast where we talk about everything tabletop role-playing games. And today we are talking about the Axe of Dwarvish Lords. Hey Brian. Hey Will. How you doing today? I'm good. I'm curious. I'm very curious. Yes. What do these dwarves of lo- the Lords of Dwarves do? Well, they're mostly dead. But <laughs> and how do they act? I mean, they acted valiantly well, until they didn't. We'll get into it. We're going to okay, get into the okay. history. Did I miss a joke? Yeah, because it's uh, act sounds a lot like act to act. Oh, my. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, I'll go with that. Yeah. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't for, see it. For those of you that are new to the show, I like to do an inco- improv comedy bit with the start of with the title of the episode of Somehow when Will asked me how I'm doing. You, you, got, for, you got it. Yeah, you got it. Half the time I miss it. <laughs> I'm just here. I'm just here doing what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Brian. Yes. Dwarves. Yes. They have a reputation of making things. They do. High and, quality things. Yeah, and digging holes. Uh, that as well. Very complex. Uh, highly magical things, mm-hmm. I would even say. Dare I say artifacts? Oh, shit. What year is it? <laughs> this episode is going to be all about dwarves, dwarfishness, and the things dwarves make. All right. Well, specifically one thing that some dwarf and or maybe multiple dwarves definitely made. Yes, okay. An artifact by the name of the Axe of Dwarvish Lords. I obviously don't need to remind you what year it is. No, uh, I reminded you. Indeed. Well, I mean, I knew. Sort of. Yeah, 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 but it's reminders. Indeed. You know. It's the year of the artifact. That's right. (laughs) That's the year that we talk about magical, cool stuff. Indeed. I like the multiple uh, spellings of dwarfish in in the notes so far. Hey, man. There's several different I do what I can. Yeah. (laughs) Well, today's artifacts go, today's artifact goes all the way back to early original D&D, and over the course of its existence... It has been been given quite the reputation. Uh, some say the axe only works for dwarves. Uh, others say it can give you the abilities of dwarves. Some say it will literally turn you into a dwarf. Okay. And who made this thing? Well, we have multiple origin stories on today's Dungeon Cast. I can see how all these things could be true too, because like the there's like belts and stuff that give you like giant powers, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into it. Yeah. The Axe of the Dwarvish Lords is an artifact, a unique magical weapon of great power within the context of the game. It'd be weird if it had great power outside the context of the game. <laughs> I know, just in the real world. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, long associated with the world of Greyhawk uh, campaign setting, the Axe made its first appearance in the small uh, staple supplement booklet, Eldritch Wizardry, which has now come up quite a few times this year. There's mm-hmm. a lot of artifacts in there. Um, and a lot of artifacts tend to originate in the Greyhawk setting uh, and came out very, very early in the game's existence. Um, and I believe we established in an early episode this year that the Eldritch Wizardry Supplement came out in 1976. Okay, yeah. Um, and I'm telling you, it's just, it has all the artifacts in it. So I have theorized that maybe 1976 was also the year of the artifact. And maybe... These dungeon cast years of the are simply part of a greater D and D zodiac we were hitherto unaware of. Yeah, we're we're now in the cycle, and we're not in control of what goes on on the show. Uh, no, nope. a, a great two-headed demon lord is. It has been ordained. Yeah, the axe was later presented in a number of publications in advanced Dungeons of Dragons. An adventure module titled "Axe of the Dwarvish Lords," involving the artifact, was even published under the TSR imprint uh, in 1999. 
In the adventure, the player characters must retrieve their artifact, uh, the Axe of the Dwarven Lord, Dwarvish Lord, sorry, from an evil wizard who has stolen the powerful weapon and intends to use it to, to marshal a massive goblin army against the Dwarven community, all while avoiding an agent of the Dara God, Darinka, which I don't know much about Darinka, and we haven't really talked much about Darrow. Oh, yeah, no, that's not coming so up Darrow really much. are an underdark race that are, they're kind of like, like what the drow are to elves are kind of like that, but the Duergar also kind of fill that niche. So yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Okay, yeah. so they're dwarves, but they're, they are yeah, kind of. They're weird, underdark dwarves. I Even though like the Duergar are underdark creatures, yes. also they're two creatures that fill the exact same niche. And the Darrow have kind of been. I know they're a thing in Forgotten Realms more than other settings, in my understanding. But uh, the, I feel like the Duergar have kind of like pushed them. And the Duergar also aren't exclusively underdark creatures. They're also they're just like. In mountains. Yeah, it's true. And holes or whatever. They're yeah. definitely not surface I think, dwellers. I think Darrow are exclusively under dark creatures. I could be wrong. We haven't done a Darrow episode. Maybe we will Yeah, so it. we don't know about yeah. that. Especially me. So third edition de detailed out the axe in the Epic Level Handbook. Okay. And both fourth and fifth edition included versions of the artifact in their original Dungeon Master's Guides. Over the course of editions, the axe has been depicted in a number of ways. In its earliest form in Eldritch Wizardry, the artifact is described as a short-handled axe backed by a claw hammerhead. Okay, cool. The Book of Artifacts describes it as an axe with intricate runes that are etched into its blade, which is also plated with gold. The axe head seems extraordinarily flimsy until tested when the cunning work of the carving and the temper of the steel shows the weapon's true strength. The hammer is made to look like an erupting volcano with the flames forming the head's jagged prongs. That's fucking cool. Yes. So the uh, the epic level handbook, that specifically refers to levels 20 to 30? Yes, that's what that handbook is, is about. And there's okay. a couple artifacts in there. One we spoke about earlier this year. I don't remember which one. Yeah, that's the only reason I know about it, I think. Yeah. Um, okay, and then, uh, oh, God, God, man, uh, we got a Wand of Orcus situation going on here with, uh, like, different what styles it? of it. Yeah, I'm not even done yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're absolutely right. So 5e sources do not outright describe the acts of Dwarvish Lords, uh, but it does have some official artwork that looks nothing like the previous description above. Okay. It is still a short-handled axe, but now the entire piece is made of or completely plated in gold. Rather than runes, the axe is covered in intricate filigree and studded with precious gems of various kinds. Sapphire, emeralds, and what look to be either amethyst or rubies. I'm slightly colorblind, so I couldn't tell. The axe is stopped with a large bluish diamond. I would love for you to pull it up. And I did. You tell I did me. just now. And would yes, it's an incredibly accurate description, and it's it's just as ostentatious as it sounds. For sure. Would you say those are rubies or amethysts? Uh, you know, is that hmm? Holy shit! Good question. Yep. <laughs> it's definitely it's, difficult to it's tell. It's definitely red or purple. It's one of them. I don't know. <laughs> okay, cool. It's not just me. You know, I've been seeing a lot of newer cars on the road lately mm -hmm. that are like these weird. Uh, I. I think it happened three times on on a drive I was on yesterday. I was like, "What color is that?" Oh, to my my co my co passenger, they were yeah. like, uh, "Unsure, gray, brown, s silver." I don't know. We were That's just like, "Interesting." Yeah, I, I don't keep know. My eye out. Uh, this red is reminding me of that. Interesting. Purple. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah, it looks like purple red. It's hard to tell. Yeah. So there are two origin stories for the acts of the Dwarvish Lords. I will go with the more popular one first. I'm pretty sure it's the canonical one, and it is the one that 5e has gone with. Okay. So seeing the peril his people faced, a young dwarf prince, Silvervein Moradin's son, came to believe that his people needed something to unite them. Thus, he set out to forge a weapon that would be such a symbol. <laughs> Venturing deep under the mountains, which ones are unclear, deeper than any dwarf had ever delved, the young prince came to the blazing heart of a great volcano. With the aid of Moradin, the dwarven god of creation, he first crafted four great tools. The Brutal Pick, the Earth Heart Forge, the Anvil of Songs, and the Shaping Hammer. With them, he forged what was originally called the Fierce Axe. Okay. Armed with the artifact, the prince returned to the dwarven clans and brought peace. His axe ended grudges and answered slights. I bet it did. The clans became allies, and they threw back their enemies and enjoyed an era of prosperity. Oh, man. The, or die. Or died. <laughs> this young dwarf is remembered as the first king. When he became old, he passed the weapon, which had become his badge of office, to his heir. The rightful inheritors passed the axe on for many generations until it eventually came to be called the Axe of the Dwarvish Lords, symbol of the one clan. My children, 
should anyone dispute your rule, kill them with this. <laughs> exactly. That is how I've maintained order all this time. <laughs> Absolutely. <Dies. laughs> so later, in a dark era marked by treachery and wickedness, the one clan was shattered in the age of the High King's Broken when Brassbeard slew his uncle, King Irontooth of Moradin's son, out of greed for the artifact. The axe was lost in the ensuing bloody civil war. Centuries later, the dwarves still search for that axe, and many adventurers have made careers of chasing after rumors and plundering old vaults to find it. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it sounds very <clears throat> valuable. Very cool. Um, an alternate version of the myth can be found in Dragon Magazine 245. Yeah, it's back. <laughs> it's back. You gotta love, love Dragon, Dragon Magazine. Magazine. According to dwarven legend, Moradin Allfather crafted the bodies of the first seven dwarves at his great forge and gave them souls by blowing onto his creations to cool them. Gross. When the first dwarves woke, Moradin had left just two tools for his children, a hammer and an anvil. With these, the first seven lords of the dwarves crafted a relic called the Axe of the Dwarvish Lords, the first dwarven weapon. They sang as they worked, keeping time with the rhythm of hammer and bellows, and this song gave the axe its magical powers. That sounds like some shit you made up because you yeah, forgot the I original. Know, yes, exactly. Story. I'm like, don't get me wrong, it sounds cool, but who gave the person who wrote this the okay to just rewrite like all that history? I, I accidentally burned the OG like scripture <laughs> in my forge when I was yeah. needed to. I need. I thought it was Tinder, and <laughs> now I'm just. That's too funny. <laughs> Gotta tell these fools something. Right. Make it up. Uh, it has been suggested that the axe has been lost and rediscovered dozens of times since its creation, each time her heralding great change and turmoil among the dwarves. But according to dwarven prophecy, the axe, uh, when the axe is found again, the age of high kings will return and the dwarf, dwarven peoples will be reunited at last. Okay. So the powers of the axe of the dwarvish lords has altered between editions and some wild fashions of that. The Book of Artifacts states that the axe has all the powers of a plus three sword of sharpness and a plus three hammer of throwing. Additionally, it confers on its user the keen eyesight and sense of the dwarven race. And the wielder can summon an earth elemental once a week. Oh. However, the artifact's possessor faces certain inherent disadvantages imposed by the intense magic of the weapon if they are not dwarven. The longer the item is in a non-dwarf person's possession, the more that person's appearance will begin to become dwarf-like. Uh, facial hair, shrinking in height, increasing girth. <laughs> hey, uh, Dan, you're getting pretty thick, man. You think you should put that axe down? What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? You're saying the axe is making me thick? Yeah, yeah, dude, I think maybe, I don't know. Like, <laughs> What did you just say to me? <laughs> you know, I ought to kill you and become king. I mean, what, <laughs> wait, what? what? Wow, well, maybe I should put it down. Hold on a second. In its, <laughs> in its third edition printing, the axe was stated to be a plus six keen throwing goblinoid bane dwarven war axe. Any dwarf who holds it doubles the range of their dark vision. Any non-dwarf who grasps the axe takes two points of temporary charisma damage. These points cannot be healed or restored in any way while uh, the axe is held. The current owner of the axe gains a plus 10 bonus on craft, armor smithing, blacksmithing, gem cutting, stone masonry, and weapon smithing. Mm. Um, checks. Uh, the wielder of the axe can summon an Elder Earth Elemental, duration 20 rounds, once per week. Uh, and then 4th edition made the axe sentient, which isn't always a nice touch. All right. <laughs> Stating that the axe of the Dwarvish Lords is taciturn, even by the standards of sentient weapons from the mists of ancient history. It communicates in gruff commands only its bearers can hear. It urges <laughs> its bearer to battle any giants encountered, becoming sullen when refused this honor. For he also listed out the axe's personal life goals. Um, goals of the axe. <laughs> I love Forey. Forey's great. It's stupid and it's equal parts stupid and cool. Yeah. Goals of the axe of the dwarvish lords. Uh, goal one: help the dwarves flourish in keeping with their ancient traditions. Two: give goblins and especially giants the deaths they so richly deserve. Okay. Uh, three: become an inspiration to honorable people everywhere. Wow, it's tall order. <laughs> okay, well, give me a second. <laughs> Um, we will get into the 5e version when we go over the stat block and roll up some of the artifact properties, but Pathfinder has a version of this artifact I thought it was pertinent to go over as well. Pathfinder's version is called the Axe of Dwarven Lords, except for it's not, because if you actually look in the written lore, they switch to Axe of Dwarvish Lords, and it confused me, Brian. It confused me. Yeah, it's Axe of Dwarvish Lords in 5e and Axe of Dwarven Lords in uh, Pathfinder Archives two. of Nethys. Yes, yeah. but if you read the lore on a lot of the Pathfinder wiki or source books, mm -hmm. the, the the lore itself says Acts of Dwarvish Lords, which super confused me. Okay. But we're going to get into it because I think the lore is still pretty solid. 
Okay. So when the dwarves completed the generations-old quest for the sky under the lead lead of their great king Targic, the success was not without its implication. So again, I'm new to Pathfinder. My understanding here is dwarves lived deep underground and they never came out, and they actually decided to dig their way out in the search for the sky. That's cool. That's that's on point with some friends at the table, Dwarven lore, I'm pretty sure. Okay, for sure. Many dwarves feared the all-revealing light, the exposure to the weather, the open sky, and the countless weird creatures of the alien surface. For thousands of dwarves, reaching the surface only convinced them that they should have stayed in the deep earth. Mm-hmm. Targic sensed the fear growing, and he gathered the leaders of his people in a hidden cavern, remembered as the conclave of the final deep, and together they constructed a simple forge. With ore, they Brought from the depths of their ancient homeland and strange new metals discovered on the surface, they crafted a symbol of their people and poured into it their strength, resolve, legends, memories, and the blessings of Torag. When it was done, King Targic addressed his people, raising the axe of the dwarven lords. He convinced them that the traditions of the old nations might forge wonders from the riches of the new world and embolden them to face the challenges of the surface. I think I got a little bit of uh, a Targic in me. I don't, yeah? I think if I was underground, I came up to this shit. <laughs> I Let's just go back, just, guys. This ain't it. This ain't it. It's fucking br- First of all, it's fucking bright out there. I don't like it. Second so, of all, you seen this shit they're doing up here in America? So uh, this is a little bit off topic, but it, it's kind of pertinent. So I've, I've read and I've heard that one of the first things that astronauts have to get used to when they come back down from, like, uh, the, the space station um, is the smell. Oh. Apparently, Earth stinks, bro. It, yeah. Yeah. And I imagine Madden these dwarves that they would feel like like that when they broke. Whoa, let's go back. This doesn't stink enough. <laughs> I think it would stink worse. Oh, really? I think it'd be the other way. It could be. Could be in your tunnel, breathing your homie's air. I guess you know? that's true. That's true. All right. Uh, uh, if you if you do a if you do a nut in space, do it push you back? No. The axe of dwarvish lords passed through the hands of many kings, but was stolen by unknown thieves during the chaos of the Five Kings' War. After this point, it changes many hands, but ends up in the possession of the ancient magma dragon. Uh, I want to say that's Moshabat. I'm lost in the notes. I'm trying to find it. It's either that or, or it's Moskabat. Moskabat. I think uh, it's Moshabat. Well, uh, in, true dungeon cast, in true dungeon cast uh, tradition, we will say it every way. Yes. And be wrong about every single one of them. Most Chabot. <laughs> Moving on. Well, can you click where you are? I cannot find it. Uh, oh, because I just found it. I scrolled up. I went too okay, far down. Nice. Yeah, Moskabat. Yeah. I did it right, definitely. Okay, for sure. Now the dragon Now the dragon is the keeper of the dwarves' most precious artifact and the key to a lost golden age of dwarven culture. Few items are as linked to the pride of a people as the Axe of Dwarvish Lords. Those who claim it should consider the following. The Axe of Dwarvish Lords is a symbol of the pride and heritage of an entire people. What's more, it's also a priceless historical artifact. Though the dwarves have made efforts to keep their great citadels in repair, there could be no question that dwarves lose a little more of their ancestral ways with each generation born on the surface. Many dwarves believe reclaiming the Axe is vital to reuniting their people and beginning a new age of dwarven ingenuity. Most dwarven lords would pay any price to recover the axe, as doing so would win them instant esteem and authority among their people, and just as many would do all that it takes to wrest the artifact from non-dwarf hands. The axe of dwarvish lords seeks dwarf hands to wield it, and should it not find such a bearer, legend claims it reshapes its owner as it prefers. Right. Those who wield the axe for an extended period of time find themselves becoming increasingly hairy, growing more accustomed to the dark, and potentially changing height by up to an inch per week. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyone who possess- That is so fucking fast. <laughs> I know. Are you serious? Anyone who possesses the axe of the dwarvish lords for more than a week transforms into a dwarf 1d4 weeks later as it as if affected by the spell reincarnate. Oh my god. This effect can only be reversed by a miracle or, or a wish spell. That's insanity. <laughs> I love it. You're not dwarven enough. I will make you dwarven enough. Exactly. It's so true. Oh man. Um, dwarves are made, not born. Apparently. Apparently. Um, <laughs> well, dwarves are made and then born. Yeah, I guess so. Let's take a short rest. Okay. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. We've returned. Indeed we have. We are fucking back. Indeed we are. And we are going to turn into dwarves very fast, kind of fast, Kind of fast. Kind of fast. I mean, very slowly over the course of the back half of this episode, it'll mm-hmm. look like we're turning into dwarves because we're going to, I'm going to have my hands all over this stat block. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, I have, I have in front of me the axe of dwarvish lords, not dwarfish lords. And uh, I have a, uh, uh, all the things it does in 5e. All right, so, cool. Oh, do I have to pull up? Have to pull up tables, huh, for the beneficial properties? Oh, you should. You should do okay. that because I am. I'm about to read that. Yeah. Get to it. Do we need dice? I've got them from last um, episode. Hold on. <laughs> I'm gonna get going. Uh, yeah. We got a magic weapon on our hands here. Uh, the axe of Dwarvish Lords is a magic weapon that grants a plus three bonus to attack and damage rolls made with it. The axe also functions as a belt of dwarven kind, a dwarven thrower, and a sword of sharpness. It's all those are I know yep. I know what one of those does for sure. Right. Uh, and then we have the random properties. The axe has the following random determined properties: two minor beneficial properties, one major, and two minor detrimental properties. Ooh, um, I'm almost there. Okay. So, all right, I'm there. Awesome. What do you <clears throat> need? All right, we need D100s for okay. all of these. I'll uh, I'll roll them. All right. How? Let's there. start with the minor minor beneficial. How many we get? You said two. Two minor beneficial. All right, let's get them. Okay, so we're rolling the percentile dice, 80, 6. Um, you got 80 and you got 6. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the 6. While it tunes to the artifact, you gain proficiency in one skill of the DM's choice. Um, hmm, what do dwarves get? There's no really, like, craft one in 5e. Athletics? Sure, athletics. Uh, the 80 is, while attuned to the artifact, you can use an action to cast one third level spell uh, chosen by the DM from it after you cast the spell roll a d6 on a roll of 1 to 5 you can't cast it again until the next dawn I think stone shape is level 3 I could be wrong but that's probably the one I'd pick um, let me check <clears throat> stone shape is a good one I mean like fireball <laughs> yeah but you want one that kind of fits the dwarf theme right you're right yeah it's actually a fourth level spell for stone shape oh, okay well I'm sure the wall of stone or, or some, something stone pass without a trace Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, what so we got next? now we have one major beneficial property. All right, let's do it. Is that D100. a D100 as well? D100, yeah. Okay. D100 gives me a 47. 
47. While attuned to this artifact, your walking speed increases by 10 feet, which is really weird because dwarves are usually it's the opposite. Yeah, this is a super dwarf. This, <laughs> this dwarf is the flash. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we want two minor detrimental properties All right, here. give me that D100. Okay. The hundy says, uh, oh, damn, I got a 10 and a 4. So, well, actually, uh, oh, shit. It's What's not that? a 10. This is the... Um, the zero. The zero. And so, so what'd you get? And then a four on the other one. While attuned to the artifact, you have disadvantage on saving throws against spells, though. That's really bad. Mm. Is that... That's a minor, yeah. That's a minor one. That's pretty bad. I wouldn't hold this axe. All right. So, next <laughs> one is a... Uh, an eight. An eight? Yeah. Oh, the first time you touch a gem or piece of jewelry while attuned to this artifact, the value of the gem or jewelry is reduced by half. Holy shit. You have, you're like the opposite of King Midas. Yeah, it like cr uh, crumbles in your yeah. hand, becomes Oops. smaller. or Which like... is, again, really weird. I think this isn't actually the Axe of Dwarvish Lords. I think it's in disguise. Oh, okay. I think it's a bullshit Axe of Duergar bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's got some evil stuff baked <laughs> yeah. in. All right, let's get the major detrimental property. Does it have one? Uh, no, it doesn't. Okay, that makes sense. Um, right. ne next, we have the Blessings of Moradin. If you are a dwarf attuned to the axe, you gain the following benefits. You have immunity to poison damage. The range of your dark vision increases by 60 feet. Nice. And you gain proficiency with artisan's tools related to blacksmithing, brewing, and stonemasonry. Oh, cool. So you get that. Nice. You also get thick. <laughs> uh, conjure Earth Elemental. If you are holding the axe, you can use your action to cast the Conjure Elemental <clears throat> spell from it, summoning an Earth Elemental. You can't use this property again until the next dawn. So to use this, you need like five other pages of stuff. Right. Yeah. Basically. Uh, but that's cool. Yeah. No. It's a it's a big item. It should take a lot of. It should be able to do a lot because you you're a, a belt of dwarven kind, a dwarven thrower, a sword of sharpness, and an el an Earth. Should elemental. I just look all that stuff up real quick? If you want. Okay. Belt of dwarven kind. Yeah. Probably just makes you stronger. Yeah, it makes you dwarf strong. Dwarf uh, strong. Next we have... Uh, uh, your con increases by two to a maximum of 20. You have an advantage on persuasion checks to maintain your active dwarves. Um, you have a 50% chance each day at dawn of growing a full beard if you're capable of growing one or a visibly thicker beard if you already have one. Holy shit. If you aren't a dwarf, you gain these benefits. You have advantage on saving throws against poison and resistance to poison damage. You have dark vision to 60 feet and you can speak, read, write dwarvish. That's a belt of dwarven kind. I know you're gonna like become pseudo uh, Morden. Sword of sharpness. I already have the dwarven thrower up. Uh, okay, go ahead with that. It's one. a warhammer, very rare. Requires attunement from uh, by a dwarf specifically, but since you can wield the axe as not a dwarf, it'll just apply to you, I guess. You gain yeah. a plus three bonus to attack and damage rolls made with this magic weapon. It has the thrown property, with a normal range of twenty feet and a long range of sixty feet. When you hit with a ranged attack using this weapon, it deals an extra one d eight damage roll. Uh, or if the target is a giant, 2d8 damage, immediately after the attack, the weapon flies back to your hand. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I was about to say, I don't know if I'd ever throw this thing, but that part changed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, proficiency with a Warhammer allows you to add your proficiency bonus to the attack roll for any attacks you make with it. Yeah. It's okay. pretty fucking awesome. Um, you ready for the Sword of Sharpness? I am. <clears throat> when you attack an object with this magic sword and hit, maximize your weapon damage dice against it. So you just roll max damage all the time? When you so. attack or hit you with this weapon and roll a D roll a twenty on attack roll, that target takes an extra fourteen slashing damage. Then roll another D twenty. If you roll a twenty, you lop off the target's limbs with the effect of such loss. <laughs> determined shit. by the GM, if the creature has no limbs to sever, you lop off a portion of its body instead. So this is like the a reverse Vorpal sword. Instead yeah. of chopping off the head, you're chopping off the limbs. All of them. In addition, you can speak the sword's command word to cause the blade to shed bright light. Oh, that's a nice little bonus. Uh, and dim light for another ten feet. 10 feet and 10 feet. Uh, speaking the command word again, or sheathing the sword puts the light out. Jesus, this axe is fucking powerful. Yeah. Is this the most powerful thing we've talked about on the show so far? It's pretty close. I mean, yeah. what, the Rod of Seven Parts or the Wand of Orcus probably rival or, it. Yeah, those are probably close, yeah. Um, wow. Because an, uh, an Earth Elemental, that's a fifth, Conjure Earth Elemental is a fifth level spell. Yeah. I'm sure the axe doesn't require you to concentrate on yeah, that. Yeah, you're a one-man wrecking crew with this thing. That's cool. Pretty much. I mean, like, the, the Earth Elemental showing it makes you a two-man wrecking crew. But, right, you know, but that's part of the one-man wrecking crew. Tra travel the depths. Yeah, you can use an action to touch the axe to a fixed piece of dwarven stonework and cast the teleport spell from the axe. If, you inten if your intended destination is underground, there is no chance or mishap of arriving somewhere unexpected. You can't use this property again until three days have passed. So go anywhere underground. 
pretty cool. Curse. Uh, the axe bears a curse that affects oh. any non-dwarf that becomes oh, attuned to go. it. Even if the attunement ends, the curse remains. Oh, shit. With each passing day, the creature's physical appearance and stature become more dwarf-like, a.k.a. thicker. Uh, after seven days, the creature looks like a typical dwarf, but the creature neither loses its racial traits nor gains the racial traits of a dwarf. The physical uh, changes wrought by the axe aren't considered magical in nature, and therefore fair, you can't already, be dispelled. You, you already have the traits of the dwarf if you still have the axe, though, because it gives you the traits of a dwarf, like the, right. the poison resistance and all that other stuff. Um so That's the, phys crazy. the physical changes, uh, oh yeah, it can't be dispelled, but they can be undone by an effect, any effect that removes a curse, such as greater restoration or remove okay, curse. Okay, so spell. it's not that bad. It's literally a curse. Yeah. Now to destroy the item, which is pivotal. Oh yeah, there's suggestions on how to destroy it. Yeah, on most of these there have been. Cool. Let's um, hear it. The only way to destroy the axe is to melt it down in the Earth Heart Forge. Which we're told doesn't exist anymore, theoretically. But it says right here, that's where it was created. <laughs> it's just misinformation. Uh, gaslighting. Dwarven gaslighting. Uh, it must remain in the burning forge for 50 years before it finally succumbs to the fire and is consumed. Wow. So very cool if you're a dwarf. Not, not as cool human. if you're not. Yeah, because you leave it there and you just hope no one gets it. Proficiency with the battle axe, blah, 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 and then a bunch of tags. So that's it for the 5e stats on the Axe of Dwarves. All right. Plus three magical axes. Very formidable. It'd be very, slicing fools. I'm very impressed with it. All right, let's 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 check out the Pathfinder one. All right. Um, we are <clears throat> in the Axe of Dwarven Lords. It is unique artifact conjuration magical transmutation. You can find it in Game Mastery Guide, page 106. Its usage is held in two hands. Its bulk is three. Its base weapon is Dwarven War Axe. The blade by, the way, of this. Uh, by the way, a war axe is a two-handed axe, so that is one of the major differences because the, the 5e one is a hand axe. I see. Yeah. Okay, so the blade of this plus four major striking keen returning speed dwarven war axe is carved with an intricate design depicting countless generations of dwarven warriors and leaders. Uh, it sounds like there's room on this axe for those. The axe has a the thrown 30 feet weapon trait in addition to the normal weapon traits for the dwarven war axe. Strikes with the axe deal an additional 1d6 damage to orcs. Uh, while the axe is in your possession, you gain a plus four item bonus when crafting armor, jewelry, metalworking, stonemasonry, snares, traps, and weapons. That was definitely missing from from the other. Well, you, you get the crafting stuff with artists and tools, but you didn't get some of those other things. Yeah. If you are a dwarf, you gain greater dark vision while holding this axe. If you are not a dwarf, you are stupefied for while wow. holding... The axe, and if you are an orc, oh, you are also drained for and enfeebled for a while. Oh, God, it. I gotta look up so many. Yeah. Um, so, to activate this, it's three actions envision, interact, frequency once per week, effect. The axe casts a 10th level summon elemental spell to conjure an elite elemental avalanche. The spell is automatically sustained, requiring no action on your part, but still allowing you to command the elemental on each of your turns. You can dismiss the spell. And destruction. If an orc beheads a dwarven king with an axe of dwarven lords, the axe rusts away to nothing. That is strangely specific. Yes, yeah, very specific. Hey, do we have a minute to go over some of these conditions? Uh, yeah. I think so, stupefied forces. Stupefied. Your thoughts and instincts are clouded. Stupefied always includes a value. You take a status penalty equal to this value in intelligence, wisdom, and charisma-based checks and DCs, including will saving throws, spell attack rolls, spell DCs, and skill checks that uses ability scores. Anytime you attempt to cast a spell while stupefied, the spell is disrupted unless you succeed at a flat check with a DC equal to 5 plus your stupefied value. Again, this is a 4 stupefied. What were mm. the other conditions? Uh, drained and enfeebled. Why don't you look up drained? I'll look up enfeebled. Um, well, right they're here. both on the same page. Here's enfeebled. You're physically weakened. And was it enfeebled 4 as well? Yes. You're, uh, where was I? Uh, physically weakened. Enfeebled always has value. When you are enfeebled, you take a status penalty equal to the condition value uh, to strength-based rolls and DCs, including strength-based me melee attack rolls, strength-based damage rolls, and athletic checks. So that's strength, wisdom, intelligence, and charisma. Mm -hmm. Let's see if, uh, well, you said drained. If drained doesn't cover the, the other last two ability scores. Drained. When, you, when a creature successfully drains you of blood or life force, you become less healthy. Drained always includes a value. You take a status penalty equal to your drained value on constitution-based checks, such as fortitude. You also lose a number of hit points equal to your level uh, times the drained value. So in this case, uh, if you're level 5, so that would be 20. <clears throat> and your maximum hit points are reduced by the same amount. 
Um, each time you get a full night's rest, your drain value decreases by one and increases your maximum hit points, but you don't immediately recover the lost hit points. Um, so this hits you in every single ability score by negative four, except for dexterity for some reason. I don't know what that's about, but it's intense yeah. though. That's intense. Still need to dodge. <laughs> yeah, and that's it for uh, the acts of the dwarven lords from Pathfinder Second Edition. Okay, that's so it got. it's more on par with like a, a normal magic item in in Pathfinder Second Edition. It's not so much like like the five E version is like super artifact. Like this is super powerful, very rare. This other one seems like it, it's powerful, it's rare, it gives you stuff, but it's not overwhelming. I don't know. It's still summoning. It sounds like the elementals uh, oh, are like elemental. way stronger in Pathfinder. Okay, so yeah, no, you're right. That that does actually put it up. I forgot about that part. I was looking up the conditions. Yeah, at that it's point. doing a lot. Of, it's doing a lot of stuff. I think the five E one probably is slightly stronger. Yeah, yeah. Like you're teleporting around underground and shit. That's you're doing a lot. The five E one was was a lot. The five E the the Pathfinder one feels more like uh something you find in a temple. You know that you shouldn't touch. Right, you know right. the the five e one feels like a, a legendary. Like, I want to use it. Like, I don't That's care true. if I look like a fucking dwarf. I am a dwarf, or I don't mind if <laughs> I, I am a dwarf. dwarf now. Yeah, like, I love dwarves. Whatever. I, I like that you get cursed. Like, That's there's funny. more downside to the the five e one for sure. Yeah, but then I think more plus side to balance it out. Unless you orc. Unless you orc. Oh, on the pathfinder one. Unless yeah. You, unless yeah. you want orc. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if you want to. You have to head. There's got to be some lore that we don't know about. About. Well, I mean, Pathfinder I think one. the idea here is that orcs are like the traditional enemies of the dwarves in Pathfinder, uh-huh. and like the sacrilegious horror of your most hated enemy beheading the leader and king of the dwarves with the artifact that most represents like the pride and and history of yeah. dwarves is just such a powerful. Sa- like uh, the axe can't it's symbolic. Take it. It's <laughs> yeah, the axe can't take it. Like I, so, symbolic. <laughs> knows enough to know it happened, but doesn't know enough to know that it could have done something to prevent the killing. Sure. Like, why don't you go to well, Rust, but like on the swing, you know, stop right. the king from dying. So in in Pathfinder Second Edition, I don't know about First Edition, but in Second Edition, symbology has power. Okay. There's an entire class called Thaumaturge that's built around it. So the Thaumaturge is like a weird. You can build it in a bunch of different ways, but it's a weird superstitious class that like can make things it's kind of like sympathy in um a name of the wind you know how like something oh, that yeah. is more like something can affect that thing when you use your willpower yeah that's kind of how thaumaturgy is in um pathfinder second edition where like something has power because you believe it does because there's a connection between what this is made out of and the history of that thing and suddenly you believe in it so hard that it actually happens right and that's why knowing something's name is all crazy because mm-hmm. it connects to the thing personally. Yeah. yeah okay so i feel like that's what's happening here is like the symbology of the whole ordeal is so powerful the axe just explodes <laughs> <laughs> no, fate it it just dissolves into rust like it got yeah, the fucking okay. Thanos snapped. <laughs> yeah, it gets Thanos snapped. If Thanos snaps itself. It's like, nah, I'm... I can't do this anymore, you guys. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to add about the Axe of Dwarvish Lords? Uh, no. No. Uh, anything else that you want to add? <laughs> no, I think it was good. I, I like this episode. I like this artifact. Uh, I don't know if it's my favorite artifact this year, but it's a contender for sure. Uh, it's not my favorite. I, I like... I, the Rod of Seven Parts and the Wand of Orcus. Uh, Wand of Orcus has been my favorite you can't so beat far. The, you can't beat the Wand of Orcus. He just can't. I mean, uh, he can. And the, <laughs> and the YouTube comments we got about Driss Dwarden uh, and his armor. Oh, no, his Defender. Defender his sword. Defender sword. Yeah. Well, all right. That's all been my favorite. Let's take a long so rest. Okay. Hey everybody, welcome to the long rest. This is the part of the episode where we we turn into dwarves and we go back underground to chill. I've been a dwarf. Yeah. Well, you have. We were both dwarves for a while. We lived at night. It's very true. In a in a tunnel complex. Yep. Grew beards. We grew beards. <laughs> became I, thicker. He became a lot thicker. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, well, talk about the backer kit. Okay. Do hey, it. Go, fly, my child. <laughs> Tell them. So we're writing a book. Have we've, we've written most of it. Um, We have written a book called Star Seeker's Guide to Drakenstar. It's a science fantasy space opera setting for a 5th edition D&D. It's based off of our campaign, Super Quest Saga, where I took uh, Josh Freeland, Jake, and Brian here on an adventure into deep galactic space 100,000 years in the future. And uh, the show did great, and you guys ended up funding a Kickstarter for it, and I thank you guys for it. 
But for all you guys out there that missed the Kickstarter and still want to get a book, now's your chance. Go to drakenstar.com and you can pre-order your book through Backerkit. It's going to take you to Kickstarter and you'll see a button right there saying pre-order book. Um, if you already did back the Kickstarter but you wanted to up your pledge or grab some of these other goodies like uh, the Celestial Dragon Dice set or the um, awesome DM, uh, not DM, the awesome poster of our original cover uh, done by an amazing artist named, uh, oh gosh, well, I don't got his name on me, but his first name was Iwanis. He's wonderful. I'll go ahead and put a link to his stuff as well. Um, then you can get that there as well. So uh, if you guys are interested in checking out a book that we've written that we've poured a lot of love and work into based off of a campaign setting that means just a ton to both me, Brian, and everyone who's part of it um, and want something to add to your D&D game, um, not just the setting itself, but I'm, I've been working really hard on tools like a custom species creator where you can create your own custom race or species with the tools that we have in there. And it's applicable to any setting whatsoever. Um, we're also implementing a new uh, magic weapon system and armor system that includes upgrades and stuff that could be, again, implemented in any setting and uh, among some other things. Uh, if you want to check that out, check out the backer kit, drakenstar.com, that's D-R-A-K-E-N-S-T-A-R.com. Uh, the link is in the description. Um, we'd appreciate your support. Uh, this has been one of the most rewarding experiences of my life, and I cannot wait to get this book into everyone's hands. It's going to be awesome. Um, definitely highly recommend uh, everything Will said. Very, very on point. Um, and by the way, the feed continues with um, with Flashbang and the Surgeon. So if you guys want to check out a superhero game, uh, I definitely won't be making a fucking book about that one. I, I'm, this is a lot of work. <laughs> it is. It is a lot <laughs> So good on the team. Although for... I, I would pay for that. <laughs> I know. It would, be, it would be really cool. Okay, so never say die. I, maybe. <laughs> but... Maybe. If, we'll talk if, about it. if you guys cry out like a lot of people did for Super Quest Saga. Um, but yeah, check out Flashbang and the Surgeon, actual play content of a superhero game set in Waterdeep. Um, and people that have been listening to it know at this point that Waterdeep is uh, also like uh, like a, a pseudonym for Gotham City in, in Forgotten Realms for, for this campaign. So right. they, they fuse and combine into one entity where they are both one and the same uh, and, and develop so. Uh, so one of the cool things about the show is, is the development of the lore and the way the city changes and how the players have, uh, have development on that. So we're also, uh, celebrating the March to 50 K subscribers on YouTube. We're on the um, for 50 K. We're in the 47 range right now, so moving close. towards 48. And you know, it's this, this steady March that's been moving since the life of the show. Um, that number uh, does matter like a whole bunch to lots of people Indeed. that can make the show like i don't know like make do better do more have do more better more yeah just no 50k is a good milestone at just a glance people will uh interact with us in the on the business end a bit differently so we're, we're really looking forward to the milestone and yeah we are doing a 50k giveaway so if you are listening to us or watching us and are not subscribed please subscribe Go ahead and like um, one of our videos and comment in one of our videos, and you'll be entered to win a copy of Baldur's Gate 3, which is coming out this August. Looks like an amazing game. Um, I'm I'm always on the fence when it comes to CRPGs. Um, this one looks like one of the best ones I've ever seen, so cool. I'm, I'm personally interested. I'm going to try and convince Brian to do a stream of the game for you guys. Maybe here on YouTube we'll see. We're going to talk about it later. But we're giving away a copy, so if you want to get a copy, uh, go ahead and subscribe. Help us get to 50K. And uh, you'll be entered to win. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, so, in in uh, response to that, uh, so we've been we've been <laughs> we've been making a like a push for people to review the show and leave comments and like use the Apple Podcast system to to leave five star reviews and ratings and stuff. And you guys have, have come out and and done that. Some of you, so thank you very much. If you would like to go do that, it helps the show a lot for visibility. Um, it gets us uh, new opportunities to expand and collaborate so thank you guys so much for doing that um but because this is like a youtube promotion i'm gonna read some youtube comments this All time right. um so I'm, i went to the wand of orcas episode because i had some really choice comments of course it did and i'm gonna read all the choicest comments okay great uh i'm gonna read a lot of them because there's a lot of good ones okay uh the first one we got was now this is what i enjoy managing to sneak in demon content into the magic air item era uh that was of from course. hey samuel here yeah. so thanks hey samuel here uh <laughs> uh we responded to some of these. I'm just going to read the initial comment. I imagine he orchestrates a lot of his master plots with that wand in mind. <laughs> that was from Mr. Dragon. Thank you, Mr. Dragon, for your insightful comment. 
Why can't I change my wiener like Orcus? <laughs> That's from Kyle Overkill. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, let's see here. Oh, uh, I think in that episode I had mentioned how some of the YouTube comments had gotten a little weird. Oh, Because sure they had for a little while. Um, Josh Wilkins says, felt the weird commenter in my heart. Work nights, so usually drunk by the time the show posts. <laughs> Love you guys. Sorry, Brian. I think I responded that. That wasn't to, like, like shame anyone. No, no, Really, actually. It was just, like, a fun quip. Um, we enjoy all the YouTube comments, whether they're filled with positivity and love or not. You know, we, we're open to critique on the show, so it's not about that either. It's just like some of them are kind of out of left field. I just thought I'd mention it. They've been really nice ever since. Ever so maybe, since it's so true. <laughs> maybe people you check themselves before the they wreck kindness. themselves. So um, uh, Dungeons and Demons at its finest. Thanks, guys. Ryan Nelson. I know we love demon shit on the show. Yeah. The audience knows it and yeah. they respond. Uh, great video. Now we need Demon Lord of the Gain Staff, the staff of Frazer Blue oh, uh, yeah. from Sean McDaniel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we should do that. <laughs> uh, Orcus, 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 Orcus by Mach 6. Thank Sweet. you. Thank you for that comment. <laughs> um, I am also amazed I made it to the end of this video. It was dot, 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 hard. <laughs> 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 so in this portion of the show, I like to comment, like, thank you for listening to the end of the show. I'm sure this was about that. That was really funny. But I was by Bethany Johnston. Um, uh, let me let me scroll. I'm not going to read all these. There, a lot of them are so fucking good. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, I'll read this one just because it, it struck a chord. You guys still seem bitter about Wizards of the Coast trying some fuckery. They tried and failed. They'll try again. Only thing we can do is keep a watch out for it. You're absolutely right. Last name close or wait, last name, last name L choose, something like that. Indeed. I don't know, but you're right. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. Uh, and just Stay so you guys, just vigilant. to be clear, like the people that work there, that's not what we're talking about. No. We're talking about the corporate entities that yeah. that live and breathe uh, that stuff. So yeah, fuck them. Uh, let's see here. Mm. There's got to be another dick one close by. <laughs> There's got to be another dick one. Uh, shout out to Orcus, the baddest demon prince of the abyss. Uh, mm, you're close. Mm, mm, close ones. That was from Doom, one. from Doom Guy. <laughs> um, let's see. <laughs> hey, Doom Guy. It's okay to be wrong. Uh, good vid, guys. Thanks. From Timothy Hanna. Thanks, Timothy. Uh, I love the sweet ones like that. Yeah, that those great. are great. I love those. Those are always solid. I always like, oh, let me, I check my pocket and I see that. I was like, oh, there's you. a lot of thank talk. You. Now there's a lot of talk about the positive energy plane. And I think <laughs> you behold Orcus on his throne. Oh, I remember the positive energy plane. I, I think there was confusion because you were reading it and I mistook what you read, I think. There was some, I know there was what some, the positive yeah. plane was. I thought you read read the specific positive plane this the soul came from yeah so we uh because there yeah. is the positive planes but there's also the plane of positive energy yeah we were not perfect we make mistakes on yeah. the show and it's okay to to call that out in the comments we're never yeah. mad about it yeah. um we honestly if we could have like a redo we would go and include it but that's just not how nah, how this not, works yeah. so sorry if we fuck something up we 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 try to address it or do better next time uh for the last one i'll read uh, you behold Orcus on his throne, gripping his terrible rod. Oh, no. Across from him are paintings of Lolth, Malkath. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm going to stop there. All right, let's stop. <laughs> we're the Dungeon Cast, but we're not. <laughs> okay, shit. I should have expanded that comment before I began to read, because that first, because there's a gap between the first yeah. line. That was fucking awesome, though. Whoa. Um, you can go to, to the Wand of Orcus episode and read that yourself. I won't be saying it. Um, but thank you. That was actually a lot of fun to read through some of those. Um, we appreciate you guys a lot. For, I think I need to call that. it a game. Um, well, well I want to <laughs> shout out to, um, I think his name is Benway22 on YouTube. He's yeah, been, he's been going, he's been marching the through the episodes yeah, and leaving comments and likes and subscribes on everything. We see so, you. so thank you. I wanted to mention you specifically, um, and ST as well. Um, they're now a patron. So, oh, I heck yeah. but, um, yeah, we, we, the people that regularly comment on YouTube and generally are nice about it, like that's awesome. Like yeah, and it we, makes and our we day. Do see and we do notice. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Um, yeah, we get like you know, there's a YouTube creators app where you can like look at everything coming in in real time or close to it. Um, and yeah, it's uh, we really appreciate you guys a lot on the YouTube side, even though you know, like 
the podcast side of things is much bigger for our show, but we do put a lot of effort into the YouTube side as well. And yeah. and having you guys there, we we just really appreciate it a lot. So thank you. Um, our next episodes are going to be full of cool shit. Do we? Do we? I feel like we're. Oh yeah, go to patreoncom dungeoncast if you want to support. Um, we've got a Twitter, even though that seems like it's uh, Twitter just in general seems like it's on its death. It's on its death legs here. I'll tell you what, man. The internet's weird these days. Internet's getting weird. But, um, uh, but yeah, no, we're on Twitter. And if you tweeted us or messaged us, I, I try and get back to you. Yeah, and I do pretty good about it. Uh, I'm on Instagram at soundsgoodink.com or soundsgoodink.com. Just soundsgoodink. And then you can, um, yeah, I get messages there from you guys sometimes. And then, uh, or people send me videos and memes of stuff, which I appreciate. So, you know, I see it. Um, also, Discord. If you want to interact with us, like on a on a chat level you can go in there um if you're cool don't be not cool though <laughs> might not not might might not respond to not cools indeed uh and yeah uh we've got a special channel in the discord for patron members so if you are on patreon and you're not in there you can get in there talk about uh you know we got early episode releases so if you want to chat about episodes before they drop on the main feed that's one of the best places to do it also just like in patreon comments too when they drop um, and we've also got like the tier Omega where we're doing actual play stuff and eventually super quest Omega will air. Once we get all that sorted out, we're working on, um, on hollowed right now. And like a bunch of, we got a lot of stuff moving on Patreon. That's take, it takes a long time to make a whole fucking show and drop it. So, uh, thanks to everybody being patient with that. Um, yeah. What's that? What's the name of that game we dropped in there so far? Goblin, goblin, punks, goblin, punks, goblin, punks is in there. Fucking hilarious. The sexy battle wizards. Uh, or no, what did we do after? Did we do sexy battle wizards next? Yes. That yeah. Next. That one's on the way. I think I have it all lined up and, and almost ready to drop. And, and then, then there was the five second rule. Five second rule is on there too. It uh, will be on there eventually. And then now we're going to be working on dungeon crawl classics very soon. Mm -hmm. So that that's stuff in the works. That's going to be out, out on Patreon soon. Um, and let's call it a game after that, because I don't have much else to say. All right. Uh, let's call it a game. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. The Dungeon Cast. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.